0: I am your host Brad Roland coming to you live from an airport so please forgive the background noise as you hear it there will probably be announcements or something like that in the background but I am in an airport and I figure this is the best way to get across the uh, podcast before Monday morning because I have a uh, already have a delay so one of those things where it's either now or three in the morning eastern time something like that so I figured I would deliver to you now so my apologies for the background noise but the Hawks uh, you know it's sort of in a weird coincidence here. It's actually very quiet on the Hawks front at the moment. They have four days off after the game on Thursday, which we discussed in our last podcast, which dropped Friday morning. But the Hawks don't play still until Tuesday night against the San Antonio Spurs. And uh, it feels like a long break. The Hawks did not practice on Sunday. They did practice on Saturday, which is a little bit weird after a three-game-and-four-night stretch to practice on a Saturday. But knowing that, that they had Sunday off, they probably wanted to go ahead and get out there, get their legs back, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and they can sort of press on Monday, and then Tuesday, or oh, the shoot-around as normal, and then a Saturday, sorry, and then a Tuesday, Wednesday, back-to-back against San Antonio and Chicago. So, with that said, um, not, not too much going on in terms of actual news in the Hawks' world right now, but take this take this opportunity to check in with the mailbag and look ahead to the week um, with a mailbag podcast. So first question that I want to get to on the pod today comes from Jared and he says, what do you make of the Hawks start overall? I know that sounds general, but I'm interested in the big picture. Um, big picture wise, it's kind of a mixed bag, as you might expect for a team that's two and three. It's very, very early and everything I say on this podcast should be couched through the prism of only having five games of sample to talk about. But at the moment, the Hawks are 24th in offense and 11th in defense when compared to the rest of the NBA. The offensive number almost certainly will improve, in my opinion, uh, provided Trey Young is, you know, out on the floor and healthy, etc. Part of that. Number already is is baked into Trey missing about a game and a half at this point. Also, part of it is that the Hawks have not played a easy defense yet. They've really played kind of a gauntlet of defensive basketball teams. You know, Philadelphia is perhaps the best defense, defense in the league. They are absolutely elite on defense. Orlando is very very good on defense. Miami, with the Hawks the Hawks have now played twice, projects to be above average on defense. Detroit is not fantastic by any means, but they're not terrible. They're not they're not the Cavs. So. I think part of that offensive number is the is Trey missing games. and part of it is also playing at some pretty good defenses. So can t- take that with a grain of salt for now. Defensively, the Hawks are eleventh. That will regress almost certainly, in my opinion. They have not played a single offense which I would deem to be dynamic at this point in time. Not really a top ten offense uh, on the schedule to this point. Obviously, Philly is an awesome team, but they're definitely defense first team. Same with Orlando. Miami had some moments when they have Butler on the court, but no awesome offenses that they played so far. So it's quite kind of a mixed bag in that respect as well. Still, um, I do think that Hunter and reddish on the on the wings are definitely upgrades on what the Hawks had last year with Torian Prince in that same spot. And also there's been tangible improvement from Trey Young and John Collins, which really helps the defense as well. So I don't I don't think a top 12 defense is going to happen this season for the full season, but I do think that the improvement is real. So the mixed bag will be a little bit a little bit uh, less so than this, but a little bit better than it was last season. A um, couple more notes here in terms of the overall start. The Hawks have been legitimately really, really good when Trey Young plays. They've been about t- plus 10 in terms of net rating when Young plays. That's a little bit better than I would expect, but still that's something I've been talking about all summer long is that the Hawks project to be a good team or a pretty good team at least when Trey Young plays and a rough team without him, and that kind of has been um, on display so far this year. Young's played about about half the minutes. Um, so far in the five games because he missed a game and a half he's obviously playing the line shared minutes when he's available. So but it's about half and half at this point in time when they're when he's on the court they've been good. When he's off the court they're actually minus eleven. So they're slightly um you know underwater in terms of the overall which leads you to the two and three record. But good signs except for when Trey leaves the court, which we kind of all saw coming. Um I do think that the schedule um the schedule and Young missing a game and a half dictates, you know, that a two and three record is pretty much fine. It's probably pretty good, honestly, based on the schedule so far. This week is interesting. They need to take care of us like, um, with three home games on the horizon. But um, overall, to this point in time, I would describe the two and three start of what we've seen so far as pretty positive. Obviously, Trey Young needs to be healthy, which all indications are that he'll be fine. So yeah, pretty, pretty positive overall start. And uh, that is where I will leave that question for now. After a quick break, we'll come back and answer a couple more mailbag questions to get you started on this fine Monday morning that you're listening to this podcast. Okay, we're back with a question from Kenneth. What do you think the wing rotation will look like when everyone is off of minutes restrictions and everybody is healthy? It's uh, it's funny because essentially the wing rotation is going to be the wings and the backup point guard spot and maybe even a little bit of small ball four. Um, Evan Turner has sort of been in that role, but he's been injured as well. And, and obviously there's not really a backup point guard on the roster. So it's pretty interesting to kind of take stock of that. In terms of the, just the pure wing rotation, though, I, w- I would project guys like DeAndre Hunter and, Ke- and Kevin Herter to play 30-ish minutes per night. That can be flexible in some respects. Those guys are going to play a lot of minutes. Same with Cam Reddish and DeAndre Bembry. I'll be a little bit less, I think. I think ultimately when everyone's healthy, you're going to see Herder and Hunter start, which allows them to play a little bit more minutes than, than Bembry and Reddish, but those guys are still going to have roles throughout the season almost certainly. That would take you, those, with, with those four guys, somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 to 110 minutes. That's a lot of minutes um, for four guys to play on the wing when technically there's only 96, 96 minutes available. Obviously, they're going to be some back-up point guard minutes, maybe some, maybe some small ball four minutes for DeAndre Hunter, but not a ton of more in terms of actual rotation minutes available um, to other guys. I think the guy to watch out for when everybody is healthy and back at 100% is Vince Carter in terms of being maybe losing some playing time. Vince is certainly a backup four option, but because they have Jabari Parker and even Evan Turner to some degree, Vince has been playing the three a little bit, but if everybody's healthy, including Kevin Herter, that's kind of the big swing thing because right now, at least early in the year, they've needed Vince's, for Vince's shooting on the court, but once Herter is full steam, that might be the role that Vince could kind of get squeezed out of. As we talked about before the season started, it wasn't a, it wasn't a guarantee that Vince was going to play in the rotation every game this year. And I'm not sure that's still the case at this point in time. And I really can't justify playing Vince a ton um, with everybody healthy at the moment, particularly when you throw in Ty Wallace, who I do kind of like. And he's interesting. He's basically more of a backup point guard option, but still someone who can play wing minutes and uh, has some upside theoretically. I do think that Reddish is interesting to monitor in terms of how much he plays because at the moment he's uh, struggling offensively to say the least. The the team is scoring um, less than 90 points per 100 possessions with Cam Reddish on the court. His shooting numbers are really ugly. It's going to improve to some degree because it just can't stay this bad. But at the moment Reddish is probably the worst offensive player in terms of the perimeter guys. Maybe Turner would be somewhere on the same level but Reddish is really struggling offensively. The defense is very nice though and obviously there is a lot of incentive to play Cam Reddish because of the fact that he's uh, a future piece for you. Um, But so... That's kind of something I'm desperately interested in. And once everybody is healthy, particularly in Kevin Herder, how much you know crunch time stuff Reddish is playing, how much uh, how much his role kind of varies night to night depending on on his offense. Because right now his offense is uh, hurting the Hawks, as you might expect. He's a rookie. That's there's nothing wrong with this. And I still think Cameron Reddish is a good prospect. His defense has actually been quite impressive in my opinion to this point in time. But the offense is so far behind that at some point there's probably a decision to be made in terms of how much he's going to hurt you. But they're they're going to play him, um, and they have every reason to. And I endorse that move 100% to play Reddish a lot of minutes. They should he's a guy that they've needed in the future and uh, letting him learn on the job is the best way to do that so I think overall, having the four main wings, that's Herder, Hunter, Reddish, and Bembry playing 20 minutes plus a night is going to happen um, when everybody's healthy, and there's some wiggle room, though. I do think that ultimately you're going to see Herder and Hunter starting together, and those guys, almost by definition, as starters, are going to play a little bit more than the other two, but uh, that's a, that's the four-man wing rotation, and then there's some other peripheral stuff between back-and-point guard minutes with Ty Wallace and Evan Turner and Vince Carter playing sort of a hybrid 3-4 role at times, but there's a firm four-man group, and it could be as many as five or six on a nightly basis, depending on what Lloyd Pierce Wants to do and matchups, etc. etc. Uh, next question comes from Rodney who says, Now that we've seen a few games, center looks to be more of a problem than I even thought it might be. What can the Hawks do to fix that? Uh, I would say the first thing. Um, overall for me is that the long-term starting center for the Hawks is either Bruno Fernando if he comes on and I'm not willing to say that he's definitely that but he at least has the potential to be the starting center for this team. I would not, again, I would not project that but it's either it's either Fernando or it's not someone on the current roster. That's not a shot at Alex Len. I, I just don't think that he's a Necessarily, I mean, I guess it's not impossible, but I would not project Len as a starting center. Looking ahead, I know he's a starting center right now, but um, looking ahead to the future, I don't really see it with Alex Len as a full-time, you know, thirty-minute-a-game center. Damian Jones, same thing, uh, even even less so than Alex Len. I don't, uh, you know, at the moment, Fernando has a lot of work to do. He's not a starting-caliber player just yet, but there have been some nice flashes for Bruno. He was, he was a first-round talent, in my opinion, probably a late first-round talent, but still a first-round talent. You can see the makings of a, of a productive player when he's on the floor. He's really athletic and physical. That really helps as well. And his, uh, his his IQ has been a little bit ahead of the schedule in terms of what I thought coming in, which is a nice thing to see. I still think that Len is the best option right now, but he has been pretty dreadful to this point in, in the season. He's better than this. Um, I'm not sure how much better he is than this, but you know we saw it last year for the last three months of the season. He was much, much better than this, and I can't imagine Len has just regressed this much. So, other than John Collins at center, obviously I think Alex Len is the best guy night in and night out, and he's going to play minutes. But at some point, if Len continues to struggle, they might lean to the future with Fernando playing even more minutes. I think you know if Len is the guy that he was last year for the second half of the season, the Hawks will be okay-ish at center. If he's not that guy, it is as Rodney said, a really really ugly center position. Obviously, Collins playing defense the way he has so far this year opens up that door a little bit more for him to, put him to play some small ball center. But still, he's starting power forward 99 out until something changes. So center, they're going to have to play you know 30 plus minutes of center without John Collins in that in that lineup. So that means a lot of Len and Fernando, and maybe some Jones. I would probably not play Jones, but the Hawks are still playing both those guys. So I'm okay with them just kind of just doing experimental stuff. But in in the end of the day, I you know unless they can make a trade, um, that's kind of a popular theme right now with you know Hawks fans looking to trade for Miles Turner or trade for Stephen Adams etc those guys are obviously much much better than what the Hawks have right now i'm not sure how much that how much realistic stuff there is on the market right now it is still very very early and trades don't usually happen until you know january or so but Um, looking ahead to the future, it's either going to be Fernando or someone that's not on the roster. And if it's Turner or Adams, that'd be just fine with me. Those guys are very good at basketball. But uh, for now, the starting center position is not necessarily going to be fixed this year in season. And you're just hoping that that Bruno comes on um, later on. But that's definitely more of a future-facing role than it is at this very moment for a rookie. Last question for what is going to be a shorter podcast, and so my apologies on that. But last question comes from Peter. I remember you talking about t- how tough the schedule is for the Hawks early, but I see the Hawks have are two and three, and they have three home games this week that all seem pretty winnable. How do you see the next couple of weeks going? Um, as he said here, uh, the three, three games this week are San Antonio on Tuesday at home, Chicago at home on Wednesday, and then Sacramento at home on Friday. The Bulls are also on a back-to-back on Wednesday, so that's the one sort of Ugly spot on paper for the Hawks on a back-to-back. Granted, it is a home back-to-back, so no travel. And Chicago does have to travel, so that's actually a slight advantage to the Hawks in that spot. So even with the back-to-back, a pretty favorable schedule. Obviously, I think that these games are all winnable. At home, San Antonio is better than the Hawks, but they're playing at home. San Antonio is not a team that's going to just light you on fire necessarily. So, if, if, if Trey Young is able to play in that game, it feels pretty winnable. If Trey Young is not able to play, then less so, because the Spurs, if nothing else, take care of business a teams that they're better than, usually. And if Trey Young is not playing, the, the Spurs are not, uh, uh, let's just say the Hawks are not as good as the Spurs <laughs> without Trey Young. So, um, the Hawks could be favored, though, honestly, in Las Vegas with it provided, provided Trey Young plays, they could be favored on Wednesday and Friday. You know, Chicago's been relatively struggling to this point in time, and Sacramento's been kind of dreadful to this point. So, um, you know, coming into the season, I would have told you that Sacramento is probably going to be favored in Atlanta, but whether whether they're playing right now, if Trey Young plays, all things equal, the Hawks probably are as good as, the, as as the Kings, and then they're playing at home. So, all that to say, uh, a lot of flexibility coming this week, but that, definitely three win, winnable games. There is some pressure, though, to win these three games because after that, the schedule gets kind of brutal for a while. There's a five-game West Coast trip that I've had circled and I've talked about on the podcast a couple of times previously. Um, But the five games on the West Coast trip are the Nuggets, Blazers, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Suns. So coming into the year, that looked like four terribly difficult games and the Suns. Now it's four terribly difficult games and a Suns team that's playing pretty well. So that was the one sort of easy spot on the schedule. And now that Phoenix has kind of got his act together a little bit, that looks to be kind of daunting in its own right. So. Um, Needless to say, provided there's no like major injuries, I can't imagine the Hawks favored in any of those games. I you know Phoenix would be somewhere close to a pick 'em, particularly without Deandre Ayton in the mix. But um, still, the other four games, the Hawks would be sharp underdogs and on the road in all four of those games. So, if you're looking at the schedule, trying to you know paint the picture of a playoff contending team here, these three games this week are important. You know you don't, you don't have to win all three, but you know getting two out of three would be pretty significant given the, uh, the given what's to come, what's already happened. You know two and three here. Three games this week. If you can get out of that at, at four and four before you hit the West Coast road trip, where you probably are projected to win, you know one and a half out of the five games, um, that would be good. Um, if not, you know the West Coast trip is not impossible. You can you can beat some of those teams, and the Hawks have done it in the past. Um, and obviously, when you have Trae Young on the court, it kind of anything's possible. When he when he when he has it going, if he has a forty point game on the road, you can win. We've seen that. In terms of actually. Pre- projecting to the future in terms of the schedule and what, what, what Peter was asking here. Uh, the schedule is a little bit difficult after this week, so it's time to take care of business at home and uh, a lot of busy nights for me. Three games and four nights all at home is pretty rare um, honestly, so uh, I think it's the only time all season long that's going to happen, so I'll be basically moving into State Farm Arena this week and uh, fun will be had by all. So, last thing here, we will not know about Trae Young's status for a little bit here. When the Hawks announced his injury um, update last week, they announced that he'll be reevaluated on Monday. All the signs and all the Comments that have been coming out of Brookhaven and the Hawks facility have been positive on Trey Young, including some positive stuff on, on the Saturday practice. So, I, you know, all things equal, I expect Trey to be back this week. I'm not sure it's it's, it's going to be Tuesday or not. If it's up to him, I'm sure he'll play. He's someone who likes to play and wants to get out there. Lloyd Pierce kind of made has kind of made fun of that in the past. They have to kind of wheel him off the court to make sure he doesn't play at times. But if he's cleared, you know, you might see him Tuesday. That's, that obviously would obviously be a good thing for the Hawks. You might see him managed a little bit differently with the ankles with the ankle stuff. But I will guess that he's playing sooner rather than later based on the comments and his track record and the fact that he has been so durable to this point and again the Hawks just need him we said that early on in the podcast but you know basically they're plus 10 with him and minus 10 without him it may not be that stark all the time but it's a good indicator of uh, what the Hawks face in a world with or without Trey Young so with him it's much much prettier and you want that to happen if you are a Hawks fan so we probably will not record another podcast unless there's some crazy news that happens until after the game on Tuesday with the back-to-back coming in this uh, interesting, weird four-day hiatus. So, But I appreciate everybody sort of bearing with me here in the airport on the relatively bad audio. And I really appreciate all that. Uh, subscribe to this podcast if you have not done that already. That's been awesome to see the podcast grow. So thank you so very much for going ahead and pressing the subscribe button via the platform of your choice. Also tell a friend. And if nothing else, we will see everybody live from the arena on Tuesday evening.